As I mentioned earlier in the service, all month long we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. Follow me. And so we're focusing in on this so that we can learn about knowing Jesus more intimately so that we can become like him, about maturing up in our Christian faith, about growing in our spirituality. Last week we began Follow Me from Reverend Cal Chen. He preached a sermon about kind of a bigger picture vision of what it means to follow Jesus when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In your pews on the edges, there's these little cards sitting next to it. I just call your attention to it really quick. We put some cards in the pews last month that had um, the spiritual goal on it. And on the backside, it had more details about God's love. On these cards, there may be only a couple per pew. One side has more details about follow me on it and what we think helps us learn and grow into being a follower of Jesus Christ. And on the backside is some classes that we're offering this, this year, the pastors are offering this year. Today's worship service is about that first bullet point where it says, a word-centered life, immersing ourselves into the biblical story. And so that's today's focus of this sermon. It is that we actually must immerse ourselves leap into, throw our whole being into the biblical story. In doing so, it's going to help us grow up in our relationship with Jesus. We have uh, two scripture passages this morning. The first is from the Gospel of John, and I've invited Bradley Schultz to come up and read that text this morning. So come on up, Bradley. And now we're reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, Eric, he would... He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Bradley. The the second scripture reading for this morning is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. You can follow along on your pew Bibles if you wish, or you can follow along on the screen. Listen to God's word. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified saying, oh my gosh, is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, He became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, 
saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've probably listened to hundreds, maybe a thousand sermons in my life. I assume that may be the case with some of you that you've listened to hundreds or thousands of sermons too. Are there any in your life that have been particularly noteworthy, things that you hold on to? Perhaps sermons that God just speaks clearly to you and powerfully in a way that maybe you didn't expect, but you hold on to something from some of those sermons. I wonder if that's the case for some of us in this room. There was one really noteworthy sermon in my life, not necessarily because it was deeply impactful, but because it was probably the most bizarre thing I've ever seen happen in the midst of a sermon. When I was in college, I was part of a college ministry group. We met on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. There was about 100 of us, and we worshiped together. I also attended a church on Sunday mornings, a local Presbyterian church. It was a small church, much smaller than this one, but it was a great church. And on this particular Tuesday night at the worship service on campus, um, our director had invited a guest preacher. It was the preacher from that small Presbyterian church. He came to preach a sermon that night, and he began his sermon by... He had a backpack kind of hiding off in the corner. He walked over, he grabbed this backpack, he unzipped it, and he pulled up from the backpack this huge Bible. Maybe you've been to some other churches. We don't necessarily have this, but like the church Bible, you know, the really big ones that are this thick, this tall, that wide, these really big things that pastors usually read from. He pulls out this Bible. It must have been that Bible from that church. Maybe it was 100 years old. He picked it up. And he threw it on the ground. And everybody was like, what is this guy doing? I understand this is college ministry, and you can be a little risky and a little bold in what you do in your sermons. But we were all kind of shocked. We're like, what is going on? So this Presbyterian pastor explained to us he wanted to use this as an image for us to see that the Bible's important. It is. But what's more important is that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, speaks to us in and through these scriptures. That that Bible is very important, but every Bible is very important. That it's not that distinct Bible that's the important thing, but it's that Jesus, God's living word, who is alive right now, speaks to us in and through those scriptures. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw Bibles, okay? I hold them a bit more reverently than my friend does. But to that extent, I mean, I want us to hear his point. The Bible's important because Jesus Christ uses this particular thing to speak to us in a very special way. God reveals God's self to us in this text. There's a quote from one of my favorite theologians to try to explain this image a little bit better. His name is Karl Barth, and he wrote this book called The Word of God and the Word of Man. Karl Barth says, The Holy Scriptures will interpret themselves in spite of all our human limitations. We need only dare to follow this drive, this spirit, this river, to grow out beyond ourselves toward the highest answer. This daring is faith. And we read the Bible rightly, not when we do so with false modesty, 
restraint, and attempted sobriety, for these are passive qualities. But when we read it in faith, that's when we read it rightly, when we read it in faith, and the invitation is there to dare to reach toward the highest, even though we do not deserve it, that is the expression of grace in the Bible. The Bible unfolds to us as we are met, guided, drawn on, and made to grow by the grace of God. Reading the Bible is not some sober activity. It's leaping in. It's reading it with faith. It's jumping in. Reading Scripture is a vital component of our maturing in our Christian faith. Jesus reveals himself to us when we read the Bible in faith. So let's do that. Let's try to read the Bible in faith together as a church by considering this story from the Gospel of Matthew. Let's use that as an example of immersing ourselves into the biblical story. Just before this story, Jesus performs one of the most significant miracles in the biblical text, which is that he feeds the 5,000. He feeds 5,000. And then he tells his disciples, go get in the boat and prepare for a trip to the other side of the lake. But instead of getting in the boat with them, Jesus goes up on the hillside to pray. Jesus is always climbing mountains. He's in the mountains praying. And just before dawn, before the sun comes up, it's still dark. Jesus sees this boat being battered by wind and by waves. And so Jesus begins to walk out to the boat on the water. The disciples, they see something and they assume that it's a ghost. They think Jesus is a ghost. And he, they're terrified. They're scared out of their minds. And Jesus tells them, take courage. It is I. He doesn't reveal his identity. He doesn't say, it is me, Jesus Christ. It is I. Take heart. We, as the readers of this story, knows who's walking on the water because the narrator says Jesus is doing it. But the disciples don't know that yet. There's a lot of tension in this text, a lot of drama that the disciples don't know who this person is yet. That's being revealed throughout the story. Peter, upon hearing that, it is I, he thinks something's different. This isn't a ghost. This is the divine actually walking on the water. So he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Command me to come and I will come. And that's what Jesus says. He says, come. Peter jumps into the water, walking for a little bit, and then sinks into the water. But he says, Lord, save me. Good thing Jesus is about saving because he saves him. He does exactly that. He pulls him up out of the water, back onto the boat, and the wind begins to stop. The waves stop. Everything seems to calm down. And the disciples, they worship Jesus. This is a significant story in the Gospel of Matthew. To take a leap of faith into the scriptures means to pay attention to what Jesus is doing in these human interactions with Jesus. I think when a lot of us read this story and just our society when we think about this story, we're drawn immediately to this miracle of walking on the water. We say, well, come on, let's be honest about it. Jesus didn't walk on the water. And we even try to maybe make sense of it because we hold the Bible in such a high esteem that we want to try to make sense of this miracle. I've had teachers in the past in seminary that would say, Jesus couldn't walk on water, okay? The surface tension on the bottom of his feet with the water, that's just not how things work, okay? Maybe he was walking on a sandbar and it was just two inches deep and the disciples thought he was walking on the water. I would say those kinds of questions, though, interesting, aren't necessarily relevant to reading the Bible in faith. 
I'm not saying they're not interesting. They're interesting. And people write books about this, about the historicity of miracles. That's fine. But reading the Bible in faith is about paying attention to Jesus and what it is that he is doing and saying to his disciples and how we are included in that. Here's three observations I have about reading this text in faith. When Jesus goes out onto the water and he says, don't be afraid, it is I. This part's a bit tricky, but in the Greek text that it was originally written in, Jesus says, ego eimi. It doesn't mean it is I, but it means more like I am is on the water. Essentially, Jesus is saying he is the divine one. He's saying he's God. That was the divine name for God in the Old Testament. So it's like the disciples are scared. They think it's a ghost. This person came off of the mountain and says, I am. It's a bit like the story that Moses had at the burning bush. I am is speaking to you. Don't be afraid. That's why Peter gets so excited. This is the divine one standing on the water. I'm going to go jump out of this boat that's taking care of me right now and go see this divine being. He knows it's Jesus. When Peter sinks, here's my observation too about reading this in faith. When Peter sinks, he says, Jesus, save me. Like I said before, lucky for Peter, Jesus is in the business of saving. That's what he does. Jesus saves him from the water. But more importantly in this story, Jesus is Savior. Observation three I have about this text. When everybody gets back in the boat, it says they worshipped him. In the Greek language, the word worship is proskuneo. It means prostrate. It didn't mean that they had guitars on the boat and they started singing (laughs) and making music to God. It meant that all of them realized all of a sudden that Jesus Christ was divine and they fell on the floor of the boat and they worshipped him as God. This moment changed everything for them and they said, truly, this is the Son of God. They worshipped him. They fell down on the boat and recognized that something new was happening, that God was disclosing himself in a special way in Jesus Christ. Hearing Jesus speak to us in and through the Bible It's not an inherent skill. It's not something that we have that all of a sudden it just happens one day. It's learned. It's practice. These observations that I just made about this biblical text, those didn't just pop up out of nowhere. They came by way of community, of learning from others who have been invested in the biblical text, in the stories for years and years. I've spent time with people like Karl Barth, that theologian that I read, People in seminary, teachers, friends, churches, you all have taught me about what Jesus is saying in the midst of the scripture. Community is vital for helping us learn and immersing ourselves in the biblical text. This year, Pastor Mary and I, we are leading these short-term small classes on maturing in our Christian faith. That's what those classes are on the backside of the bulletin, these learning circles Everyone in the church is invited to be a part of this process if they're interested. You can see more about it and check it out on the website. But to get this process going of creating these classes, Pastor Mary and I both led a class on one of these themes already earlier this summer. In the summer, I led a class on uh, Follow Me on this specific theme. Four weeks long, there was about seven of us in this group. Um, Bradley Schultz was one of them. His older sister, Becca, was in there. Bill Howland was in that group. 
Um, my wife was there, Jason Murphy was there, and one more person was there. I can't remember right now. <laughs> Tanya, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Tanya, Tanya Fouts was in that group. And it was a really great class. Essentially, I would give homework. We would come back. We'd have conversation about the homework and read through it and learn from one another about growing up in our Christian faith. This one week, I gave a big homework assignment. I told them to read the Gospel of Matthew in one week. Seven days, can you read all 28 chapters of Matthew? And everybody did it. We came back, and for the most part, everybody did it. Um, and it was, it was incredible. We had one of the most incredible Bible studies I've ever had in my entire life. I mean it. It was amazing here in this church. One of the highlights of it was that um, we were just making our way through the text, talking about different stories, the really strange ones. Like I said, some of these strange things that happened, these miracles, these historical questions kept coming up. And then somebody asked, what's this deal about Jesus coming, the second coming of Jesus, of coming back? You know, what's going on with that? And Bradley Schultz said, this most amazing thing, I thought. He said, oh, it's like later on in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus is sharing this story. He shares a story about the parable of the bridesmaids, of the ones who will come and have lamps with them. Half of them won't have oil, and the other half will have oil. The second coming of Jesus, that's really about helping us learn about being prepared for that moment. Jesus wants us to be prepared, to grow up in our Christian faith so we can be prepared for that. And I thought, that was the best answer I've ever heard for the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it came from Bradley Schultz. And having been immersed into the biblical text for a week, I thought that was incredible. Community. Community. Jesus speaks to us in and through one another when we do Bible studies like this. We can't immerse ourselves into the biblical story by ourselves. We can, but oftentimes it's hard. It is hard to do it on our own. We need each other. We need the community that can help us speak into one another's lives in and through these scriptures. Jesus shows up when we do this. That's what I think Jesus wants us to do, to take leaps of faith into the biblical text. Look, I've been here for 10 months now. I moved here 10 months ago. Life is stressful here. I can't, I can't, I mean it, honestly. I will say hi to people. How are you doing? And they'll go, oh. <laughs> stressed out. Why is it that half of every person I ask says that to me? I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Look, life is busy. Life is busy. But at the end of the day, I think our lives are also pretty safe. Sometimes we get caught up in the busyness and we make that our life. We make our stress and our anxiety our life and our busyness. It becomes like that boat that Peter's in, that stress and that anxiety. Some of it's real, okay? And I know all of it is real, but there's something about it that's like that's the boat that the disciples are in. It's somehow it's protecting us. We're keeping ourselves safe. But at the end of the day, Jesus is outside on the water. He's saying, come, come. Take a leap of faith. Get involved in a community Bible study. I know this church has multiple Bible studies happening. On Thursday mornings, there's women's connections. They meet every Thursday. On Saturday morning, there's a men's breakfast Bible study on Saturday mornings. 
Pastor Mary and I are leading a class on Bible study. There are opportunities for us to immerse ourselves, but we get caught up in the busyness, in the anxiety, and it feels like sometimes we can just cut out that stuff. We can cut out Bible study. We can cut out worship coming to this place. I think Jesus says, no, jump out of that boat and come into the word. Leap into the word. Be my disciples. Follow me. Jump into those kinds of Bible studies. Church, Bible study, Jesus, these should be the things that are foundation of our faith. Jesus says, come. So let's take a leap of faith like Peter and trust that Jesus will save us if any harm comes our way and jump into the word. Let's do that together as a people. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are stressed. We are anxious. Life is hard here. But God, we pray that we would be able to mature and grow up in our faith and that we could learn to follow you more closely, God, and that we could become like your son, Jesus Christ, that we could love the way he loves, that we could follow him. So God, help us with that and continue to speak to us in and through the holy scriptures that you have given to us for God's people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.